Assalamu alaikum guys, just wanted to take a second right before the podcast to thank every single one of you for tuning in to our new episodes every week and I am truly truly beyond grateful for all of you that are here and I really really just want to say that I appreciate every single one of you wherever you may listen from and I truly want to say thank you and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put barakah in all that you do May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect you and your families and give you goodness in this life and the next. And for this episode, I have a brother with me, Brother Bilal, who is from uh, Michigan, but he's also a very, very amazing person to talk to just in general. He's a preacher. He's a person that works in the mental health world, in the nonprofit organization world, and is just so much benefit in this podcast. Talks about marriage, family life, uh, examples to take from the Prophet ﷺ, examples to take from the other prophets, and inshallah you'll benefit. Wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, and inshallah let's get started with the podcast. Welcome back to the Fikra Podcast. Uh, we are trying to be consistent as possible and uh, putting out content, inshallah. Um, today we have a brother all the way from Michigan, a very good friend of our old guest, Osama. Um, we have uh, Brother Bilal uh, and at your brother Bilal very conveniently <laughs> on Instagram with a with an E for Bilal. So... Uh, Bilal. How are wa you alaykum. today? <laughs> wa alaykum assalam. Alhamdulillah, I'm doing fantastic. How are you, bro? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. It's a very uh, you're, you're, uh, he did a very amazing Ramadan uh, Instagram thing, and I always and I had to tell him like like his his presentation with that was amazing. <laughs> Every time I would log on, Assalamu alaykum. This is your brother Bilal, dude. That was out of this world like i was like yeah mashallah where am i you know Alhamdulillah. like i i need you to do a muslim meditation thing bro like you need to re-record that like come on inshallah we're working on it we're working on it inshallah see i knew it i knew it he's the guy so today inshallah we're going to talk about a very light topic but actually also very very heavy topic um it's uh everybody wants to know uh i think my audience is mainly like college students and above um and and some are married some are not married uh but today inshallah it's going to be family life we're going to talk about you know the like the whole process uh how to i guess find the right person uh really dealing with their families uh knowing yourself before i would say uh that's a big that's a big thing that i've always um heard when i've gotten advice um, so first and foremost, right, I would say that we have to talk about where does the family life begin? What, how do you know when to take that step? Um, how do you even know when you're ready to get married? I would say we have to first work on the individual, then we can progress up to the levels. So, so you, so you're very, um, into the world of, uh, mental health, uh, very into the world of, um, uh, uh, and and you you were mentioning before the the process of working with uh, Mohsin, so if you want to explain that a little bit, yeah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, I've been. Um, so I graduated with the intention. I went to school actually with the intention of becoming a uh, teacher. I wanted to become a teacher very passionately for, I would say, since I was about seven. 
Um, by the time I graduated, I was unable to get certified um, with, with, with the state to become a certified teacher. So I graduated with my English degree and got sucked into the nonprofit field. And uh, subhanAllah, I started working with individuals with low social economical backgrounds, finding employment for them. And then alhamdulillah, my current job full-time is with Access, where I help individuals with mental illnesses find employment. And um, I've been doing that for three years, alhamdulillah. And I recently... Uh, got on board working with Mohsen, which is uh, um, an organization that helps uh, masjids get um, um, get masjids more uh, accommodating for individuals with disabilities like ASL, uh, interpreters, uh, wheelchairs, and things of that nature. So alhamdulillah, I I would say my biggest motivation, um, I think, you know, my, my life has been very rocky, I, I would say. I, I felt, uh, and we'll probably talk about that throughout the podcast, but I dealt with suicide. Um, I dealt with major depression. And I think one thing that always kept me grounded was looking back at who I was and where the path that Allah has taken me from be, wanting to be a teacher, thinking that this was going to be my calling to be a teacher. And I've wanted that for so many years. But subhanAllah, when, uh, when I fell in love with the nonprofit world, my biggest motivation is the hadith where he sallallahu alaihi wasallam says that when you help uh, when you re- help remove a hardship from a believer in this life allah will remove a hardship uh, from you in the next life and on the, uh, in the day of on the day of judgment right so subhanallah i think this is one of my biggest motivations to really help um, individuals out with their own goals their own um, um, navigating through their own thoughts and, and mindsets, you know, being a youth director for seven years um, and being able to relate with the youth by doing a lot of the things that I did when I was a kid that a lot of the youth are doing now, I'm able, alhamdulillah, to kind of relate and connect and kind of help those individuals push through, um, uh, you know, those barriers that they're having in their life. Yeah, mashallah. The, the, I mean, I think that a lot of people that um, wanted to... to you know, start with that world of the teaching and everything. Uh, I, I see a lot of them going into a lot of social work. Um, I, I know like family friends that have done that. Um, and, and mashallah, like the, there was that one post that if, if we can touch upon the, I think it was one of your posts about um, overcoming, uh, I guess, self-confidence issues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and how does one even go about that? You know what I mean? Like for for example, right, me, uh, when I was around, I guess, 40, 15, and like even under the age of 15, right? Uh, I always used to get like, you know, picked on for being the chubby one, the fat one, right? Uh, then I took the step, you know, lost a lot of weight. Uh, and then I realized like, a lot of people became friends with me that weren't friends with me, but it was only because of that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but like, I kind of use the attention as well because like, you know, you're young and you just don't really realize, but now I look back and I'm like, all right, well, (laughs) those people didn't really care. Right. Uh, You know, and, and that's where you have to draw the line. Like, am I happy with myself? If I have, if I have this specific, like a body type or whatever. Um, So, so like you uh, and something very uh, like, it like, it like shook me when, when you said in the, in the thing uh, in the post that, you know, when, uh, you know, you contemplate suicide and, and all of these things, what gets people to that level? And, and, and if we go a little deeper, how taboo is that in the Muslim uh, spectrum? You know what I mean? Yeah, so I, I would say as far as 
the tabooness of it and the taboo na- nature of it. When we talk about Maryam والسلام, and she's giving birth to Isa, we talk about uh, Maryam, may Allah subhanahu wa be pleased with her. Mm-hmm. And we talk about Isa, uh, we talk about how she dealt with so much pain through childbirth that she even contemplated suicide uh, by saying, you know, I, I wish I wasn't even born. Right. I wish I wasn't even like she was she even contemplated that that thought entered her mind of I wish I was not alive right now. And I think it's a taboo topic, you know, being a, involved with the youth so much, um, you know, dealing with individuals that have dealt with drug addiction and things of that nature. This is something that's real. You know, me, myself, I gave um, the Shahada to this one gentleman. And then a year later, when I started working at Access, um, the person that I gave Shahada to um, the per- so I work with domestic violence victims. The victim that I was talking with was the wife of the one that I gave shahada to. Uh, she was being domestically abused by this guy, and Subhanallah, like what that what that shows is that you know these issues are current. They're 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 there, but people don't really want to talk about them. You know, I remember reaching out to a bunch of board members when I was a youth director and like, hey. Um, you know, um, domestic violence is an issue in our community. Let's talk about it in khutbas. And they're like, not in our community, no way. And then like, I have all these people from the messages that these board members are, 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 are overlooking that are domestic violence victims coming to me looking for employment, right? Yeah. So it's something, especially when, you know, suicide, these things are issues, right? And when it becomes a problem, and we'll talk about this probably when we, when we talk, talk about families, but like, you know, typically, you know, when people actually go to seek help, it's when it's the worst case scenario. Like no one wants to speak up about things until it's worst case scenario, right? So like drug addiction, only when a person's on their deathbed, that's when they really want to get help. When someone is overweight and they just got diagnosed with diabetes, that's when they want to get help. Um, So I, I think these issues of suicide and these things, they're out there. And especially when you have a lot of pressure from the parents, um, sorry, when you have a lot of pressure from parents, when you have a lot of pressure from, um, society, and you don't know how to control that and facilitate um, all those overwhelmingness things that are going on in the world, how to really facilitate that into, um, and this is something that I learned, is to facilitate every emotion that you have to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and just know that everything comes uh, from Allah, and Allah can take you to it and through it. So, mashallah, the I, I think we, we, we gave a lot of uh, good points about how a lot of people don't uh, speak up until the last uh, point, right? Mm-hmm. It's like when when you know you're running towards the edge of a cliff, right? When as soon as you fall and you're hanging off, that's when you ask. Um, right. Rather than, you know, seeing the end, you, you know how this ends. No, nobody's uh, oblivious to how their, uh, you know, I guess bad substance abuse or something will end um everybody everybody knows that um but it's just the uh intoxication i would say of uh, desire and um and really like the the shahwa that comes into it. it it it's what makes somebody's mind clouded um and i think that's why a lot of uh a lot of the youth and uh you know myself included we all kind of fall into that making something halal in the moment for myself uh and and that and that becomes like okay this person i know gender rules that's fine yeah but we're just friends you know (laughs) we're just you know how 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 bad can it be um 
that's where that's where you have to see like what is going on you know what what's truly going on right all right yeah sure you want to you want to get to know this person for marriage okay but for how long uh like how long are you gonna get to know them for because you can get to know someone within maybe like three to five meetings right right uh, but um not even meetings right conversations and like you, if you ask the right questions that's you can get to know this person really really well Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think I saw this TED talk once 40 questions to make you fall in love, which is, I don't really, it's like a little bit of a stretch, but it's just, you have to ask the right questions. You yeah. Know? So, so where do you, where do you think that? I think uh, now this, this person, let's just say that this person, uh, let's, let's call him like Hamid. He is, Hamid is ready and now he's mentally ready. He's like everything, everything checks off. Now, where does he start? Yeah. So I would say when it comes to the individual, like self-identity, it's very important, mm-hmm. right? So uh, when I do ma- uh, kind of like marriage advice and marriage counseling, I always tell people like, who are you, right? Like, who, like, who, 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 wh- like, what are your morals? What are your values? What are your goals? Like, you know, what type of person do you want to marry? And, uh, you know, going, going back to what you're saying about, you know, getting to know someone, right? So you kind of kind of have to know your limits, right? And not just that is you have to know the footsteps of the shaitan. So uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do not follow the footsteps of the shaitan. Do not take it, you know, take him as your enemy, right? So um, the, the way that the shaitan kind of takes you on a path, especially when you're talking about self-identity, is that you want to be a person that knows who you are, right? You don't want to kind of get yourself to be like, uh, you know, shaitan's whispering in your ear, you need to be fake for this person. Because what's going to happen is when you get married, you can't be fake forever, right? You can't, the movie, the movie ends and the actors go back to their normal lives, right? So you have to be who you are. Mm-hmm. So what the shaitan does is, you know, he tells you, you know, going back to the, the, the concept of being at the edge of the cliff. He didn't tell Adam to eat from the tree. He said, take this footstep, go over here, go in this direction, right? He'll tell you, pop open your phone, swipe left, download this app, go click here, click here, click here. And then you automatically are in front of something that is very, um, um, very haram for you to look at. So it's the idea is shaitan's not going to whisper in your ear and say, go look at haram things. He's going to make you follow those footsteps until you're right in front of the haram action and then go ahead and do it. Right. So, um, and then that's where you like, you wake up and you're like, I need help. Right. And, and you've taken all these footsteps and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, w- will help you. And, and maybe we could talk a little bit about that, you know, in the, in, uh, you know, kind of when we get into the meats of the, of the topic about when, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's going to come up where we talk about, you know, how do you fix a, a, a relationship? Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, you have to really know yourself and be true to that self. Um, me myself, I dealt with being fake um, my whole life, pretty much. I was very antisocial growing up, bullied, picked on, and then when I got sixteen, I started hanging. I, I, any friend that would latch onto me, I would make sure that I would latch back onto them, doing you know, being as fake as I can be. And I and I and I thought that would make me happy because I thought the biggest void in my life was I didn't have any friends. So I would be so fake to myself and fake to others. And then when I finally realized, when I started being real with myself every one of my friends dropped off, dropped for me. And that was a blessing because it, it started the process of my path to Islam. Mm. When I really found out who I was, it allowed me to find out who I, who I want to be and who I want to fall in love with to help me achieve to be that person, right? So um, once you realize who you are, you'll realize what you're going to fall in love with. So there's two 
maybe ways that you that you may look into someone, right? So the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu said to marry the person you can marry. He's like, don't marry someone for for their their status, for their beauty. All this stuff is gonna that money. All this stuff is gonna go away. Marry them for their religion, right? Religion is something that always increases as a person gets older, right? Think about uh, the ammo, the the auntie that are so into gardening, right? They're old people into gardening. Why are they into gardening? Because they're going to the <laughs> towards their end of their life. They're developing that patience and then when they die we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to increase all these all, all, all of our, our brothers and sisters that are of old age that are reaching that point mm-hmm. that they get Jannah which is the which is a beautiful garden right yeah. so um so yeah so so you find religion you find someone that's that's religious but you yourself have to have that right you can't just say I'm gonna marry someone that's gonna wake me up for fashion that's not how it works this mm-hmm. is all a fairy tale bro like <laughs> Like I remember, I remember like making dua last third of the night for a spouse, and then I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I go into marriage, yeah, bro, we're gonna wake up for fajr every day mm-hmm. together. We're gonna read Quran, and she's gonna be my Quran teacher. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. If anything, we we you know, it, it's it's the complete opposite. It, you know, um, it's very hard to kind of be the 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 sheikh uh, of your house and 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 pour your religion into someone's uh, mouth and have them uh, you know gag on it like wait a minute like you're 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 not a sheikh to me kind of thing like you're my husband right so you really have to balance those roles so you really have to know what you want and there's two ways kind of uh two routes you can either find someone that's the opposite of you because we typically fall in love with the things that we don't have or you will find someone that's exactly like you because you kind of love your your traits right (laughs) so like me and myself i married my wife who's the complete opposite of me she's very mellow very shy very bashful uh me i'm very outgoing i like to mess around with the person at the grocery store and stuff like that and the waitress and the waiter and mess with them and over time we have kind of flipped and now she's the person that's more outgoing. I'm the person that's more mellow, more mature. She's, you know, so subhanAllah, and into that we've grown together. And that's the idea is that you have to find someone that you're going to grow with. So um, you kind of have to know yourself. And then when you get to know someone, you kind of have to know them as well. And, uh, and, and making sure that those match along with your goals and your future and where you want to be and become. Yeah, mashallah, like the the point of really growing together, I think, a lot of people don't um, don't understand that a person they're not going to come to you at their absolute prime in life, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and and if you're looking for someone in their absolute prime in life, uh, you have to understand that it comes with experience and it comes with the you're gonna have to marry a lot older than yourself um, if if you really want that, right? And I think that for for guys especially. Um, they're very uh i don't know how to jump the gun <laughs> oh yeah yeah cuz cuz they just want to they just want to get married right uh, for obvious reasons they just want to get married uh, they don't care who they don't care what but now with with i would say with girls they they really like to uh like see who the person is on an internal level um like guys are very external um will I guess deal with whoever on the internal level, uh, but now with from from that perspective, right? Mm. On an internal level, right? The Prophet he says, right? Your, your hands will just you, you'll be fine. You know what I mean when you go for deen. Now the deen, and I, and I mentioned this a little bit on the last podcast with my uh, teacher, Doctor Shadi. He um, like he said that you can't be uh, someone who's like basically 
tugging someone with you, right? Oh, yeah. They're so low in Dean and you're so high in Dean, you won't be better. You know what I mean? Like you won't get better because you're going to be slowed down. She's going to be not at the same pace. Um, and it's really like you, you mentioned, the shoving Dean down someone's throat, trying to be the sheikh of the house. Uh, like for, for me, right? Uh, like I try to do that uh, and I'm the oldest, right? Uh, nobody takes me seriously, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just like your household. Um, and this goes to uh, one of the prophetic um, traditions, how us as, as like the normal, I guess, human beings, we're just like as the brothers, like we're trying to put, our deen to our families right now with the prophet the people most admired and the ones that admired him the most were his family yes so and the ones closest to him and that shows something that however much you know someone from an exterior they're even better on an interior and that was the most the best was the prophet and and i think that um that goes to show a lot about his um, and, and even, I don't know if you've read the book, the Sheikh Mikhail Ahmed Smith's book, uh, With the Heart and Mind. He, he talks about the emotional intelligence of the Prophet Um And that emotional intelligence, where does emotional intelligence tie within the spouse, like finding a spouse, mm-hmm. um, and then even now coming towards the family life? Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, just just kind of, you know, when you were talking, I, I kind of it popped in my head, like, one thing that I want to jump back to is the stereotype, like you kind of have to really um, unwind your mind to think that, you know, what a wife should be, what a husband should be, what a spouse should be, um, because it's not how it is, right? And another thing that you have to do is you have to take your time, right? You have to be patient with with an individual. Um, and, and, and what that comes down to is, is that, you're going to be spending the rest of your life with this person and that's your intention going into it. So you really have to really know things, right? So your question is like, it is going along those lines of, you know, you have to be an individual that is considerate that this person grows up in a different household than you do. And you grow up in a different household than this person did. So obviously you're going to know, you're going to argue, right? There's going to be those, are, this is where you, you know, you're, you're in one room, you're, uh, this person's in another room. You arguing is supposed to bring you closer, not get you out of the house, right? So arguments actually make you allow you to grow. Verily, with hardship there is ease. So when you are afflicted with this idea of an argument, don't think halas divorce. Think of how can I? How can, you're growing and another person is growing. How, you're that person that you once loved. You know, eight years ago when you got married is not going to be the same person uh, eight years into the future, right? So this person's going to grow. So you have to, you know, you're you're not in love with this person anymore because they're growing. So you have to re-love this person. And this is the beauties of marriage. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying in the Quran and of his signs, he's, he's created uh, for you from yourselves mates that you find tranquility in them, right? So you have to find that tranquility by showing them, Allah says, that he's placed between you affection and mercy. So when you're merciful and an affectionate and, and considerate of um, uh, of their growth, you will grow with them and then find tranquility in them and then witnessing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala signs, right? So 
you know, when when you marry someone, right, that person's going to grow. So you have to rediscover your love with them, right? So you're loving their, their them every single day. When they become a mother, you re-love them for them, the fact that they're a mother and that you, th that they're holding it down, trying to be a, a, a good and happy uh, spouse. You know, my wife, she's, battle, she, she's battling with a lot right now. And one of the things that she's battling with is trying to make me happy as a husband, making sure that I have the right food. You know, is there anything that you need from me? And, 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 being a mother of two for her, I can only imagine the type of stress that she has trying to balance the hat of a wife as well, as well as a daughter and a sister, right? So um, understanding that that's probably the most important thing is being considerate for their growth, right? This person has different values, different morals, you're going to clash. And what we find a lot of time now is that the divorce rate is so high because no one wants to grow with that person. Everyone thinks an argument, I want to be better than that person. I want to be more prideful than that person. I will always want to win an argument. So instead of thinking... Um, an argument as this tennis match where I hit a ball, that person's hit a ball back. I'm, I, this is why you're wrong. This is why I'm wrong. You welcome it as like a football match, right? Where, you know, there's going to be times where we're all on the same team. We're all trying to get to the end zone and we're going to try to take it step by step. It's a first down. Now it's a new fresh set of downs. Okay. Second down, third down, fourth down. We have that pressure. We have to cross the first line or are we going to turn over on downs? And then there's going to be a time where we're just one week, not going to talk to each other, or are we going to push through that fourth and one yard? Boom. We broke down that. Now it's first, uh, first down again. Let's figure out how we can reach that goal and reach the end zone. Right. And there's going to be times where you're going to play quarterback as a husband, and you're going to do a lot of the work, a lot of the running around and your, your spouse is going to, play the role of wide receiver where she may not be doing a lot of work on a plate. That's gonna, there's going to be days where you're going to play receiver and she's going to be quarterback, meaning that there's going to be days where you're going to be overwhelmed and stressed out and you don't feel like putting in that extra love and energy and that you feel like the world is attacking you. And there's going to be times where you're going to feel isolated from your partner. And then there's going to be times where that person's going to feel that way. So you have to know how to grow, how to give that distance, how to, how to really uh, spiritually and emotionally um, love that person. And how to really express that love. You know, there's a book, a beautiful book about the languages of love. So my language of love is I love people telling me that thank you and they appreciate me. My wife's language of love is doing work. So when I do work and I don't get a thank you, that's not the way that she gives and receives love. So I'm anticipating her to tell me thank you. But in reality, I should be doing it because I know A, that that's making her happy and that, that sh that's, that's her language of love. And then B, I'm doing it really for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because I love her. And I, I want, um, you know, when you're merciful to others, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who's the most merciful will be mer will, will show mercy to you. And then another beautiful thing that I that I want to uh, also address is of the story of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, right? Now, he's in a cave isolated from society, okay? And he's overwhelmed and stressed out about all the things that are going on. And a being comes to him and squeezes him to the point he cannot breathe no more and says, Iqara. And read, right? He does this three times. This is Jibril, and he's petrified to the point where Khadija, who's, who's the first person the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa runs to? His wife Khadija, mm -hmm. right? So who is usually the first person that, you know, you're going to run to? Is it going to be your spouse to find that emotional support? Or are you going to go run to your colleague at work and tell them about, oh, my wife does this, oh, my husband does this, and you're trying to find tranquility in them, trying to find validation. Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, why are you trying to find validation? You know, there's so many people that come up to me and like, bro, like, I'm, try I'm falling in love with someone at work and I'm married. Well, 
Why? Because mm-hmm. the, they're seeing a perfect side of you, and your husband is seeing the 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 side of you that 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 she that that person is viewing that oh the husband looks at me as this ugly person, but the person that I'm talking to at work is validating that and saying oh you're right you're right you're right, and I feel so heard at the person that I'm working with. Well, you feel heard with that person because you're not speaking to your husband about these issues. So the Prophet Muhammad runs to Khadijah, and Khadijah says that. Um, um, that the Prophet Muhammad, that the muscles between his neck and his shoulders were trembling. So he's pet, he's scared. And the Prophet just wants Khadijah to cover him. with Like cover him, like cover me with your love, cover me with, with, just cover me. He's in a state of fear. And Khadijah actually listens to the Prophet, right? There's some spouses that will just, when you tell them what's wrong, oh, you need to be more grateful. You need to be more humble. Like, why are you telling me this, right? You need to actually listen, Right, and we'll probably talk about this when we talk about kids. But you know, we have to be people that listens to individuals. Right, when people talk to you, they're not talking to you for advice. They're talking to you to vent. Then you could throw your two cents in later. This is why Allah Subhanahu wa Taala gave us. You know, this is one of the wisdoms Allah gave us: two ears and one mouth, so we can listen more and and, and speak less. Right. So Khadijah listens to what happened with the Prophet Muhammad, and then Khadijah gives him kind words of encouragement and support. Many people, you you know, you go to your spouse and they put you in check. Like, you really, you want to you start a podcast? Really, you want to be a sheikh? You want to go to school for this, right? In reality, Khadijah supports the Prophet by saying, um, um, Allah will never disgrace you. you. And this is one of the importances of growing your family. One thing that we know about the Prophet Muhammad is this, is this right here before prophethood, is Khadijah says that you keep good relations with your, 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 your kin, you keep good, you speak the truth, you help the poor, you help the neighbor, you are generous, and you assist those that are strict, strict, uh, stricken with calamity. So one of the wisdoms of growing a family, right, we're talking about self-identity here, you need to, in order to be a good father, you have to first be a good uh, husband. In order to be a good husband, you have to be a good son. In order to be a good son, right? And it always goes back. So when we talk about the mother of Musa, the mother of Musa, Musa's journey begins with his mother because she was patient and puts Musa into the river, Hmm. right? If Musa's mother was not patient, none of the other stuff that happens with the story of Musa happens. He wouldn't have gone back to, he wouldn't have fled the city after uh, uh, accidentally killing that person. He wouldn't have freed the people of Bani Israel. He wouldn't have thrown, gotten the stick or his hand turning into light. None of this would have happened if the mother of Musa was not patient. So um, this is really where family begins. It always begins with the self. And then when it comes to a spouse, it really begins with understanding the emotional growth of a person and being there for them. Hmm. You know, subhanAllah, the very, very amazing points that you made. Um, I would say that a lot of it, a lot of it ties back to, um, you know, is this person going to in the long run, right? Like today, for example, like one person might have money, right? Now tomorrow I might not, you know, that's why whenever you, you try to get to know someone or something, no matter what you have today, you have to understand, you have to tell them, like, if I have this today and if I don't have it tomorrow, you still support me yeah. you know because that's the and that that really shows like okay like you have to know like okay if i'm in a high point in my life right now what if i'm in a low point you know what if i never what if even within the next five years i don't go into a low point but then the sixth year i have my lowest point in my entire life you know will you still be there because this will be a new side to me that you've never seen 
and and a lot of people don't understand that you'll you're gonna see every single side without limits to right. to your spouse you know um and and obviously like a, a lot of it can be a lot of a lot of it can be looked at uh by the like to the sunnah right uh, of uh, the prophet sallam. and and we look at how with 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 you know with Khadija radiallahu anha he was uh, he was a different person and then with Aisha radiallahu anha he was a different person and 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 not in a bad way it was more so now with with his uh, relationship with Aisha radiallahu anha specifically it, he was very like he he showed the the real like like I guess uh, meat and potatoes of how to be uh, a good husband, to be honest, right? And and uh, obviously with we can see that in every aspect, but more so that you have to understand your spouse. Now, there's a very amazing story that uh, of the of Aisha radiallahu anha, where um, the Prophet tells her, you know, I can tell when you're angry with me, and and she says, uh, how I'm never angry with you, and he says, no, I I know, and then he says when you're angry with me you'll say i swear by the rub of ibrahim and when you're not angry with me i i swear by the rub of uh, muhammad so and then aisha she was like i don't know how you know it <laughs> you know and and it was very it's very just you look at these things and they just show you the the relationship there and like no matter what happens, right? Like she's still by his side. Like she and like these small things, like the like these small like little you may call them like like what like petty things. Like they're not like petty, but like they just show like maybe there's like a there's still love there, you know. Yeah. There's never not any love, right? Um, and 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 now we go into the topic of now a family life. What does a family life mean? Because I know there's a lot of probably listeners now that some people may be trying to have kids, right? And, and may not be able to. Um, and, uh, you know, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for them. And, the, and, and now that, you know, some may be older and they're married, uh, some may be older and not married. So what does, when is the right time, I would say, you know what I mean? Like, because everybody has their own timing. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really opens doors for everyone at different, at different phases in their life. Mm. Um, you know, and, and people have to understand, and, and I think myself as well, you're probably not getting married right now, or it's not working out right now because there's a wisdom in it. And there's always hikmah and whatever happens in your situation. So, so how can you, uh, can you touch upon that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I, I would say when it comes to kids, you know, how do you know when you're ready is really to see like, if you and your wife, you and your spouse are, are there mentally, physically, financially, Actually, right. Uh, you know, people can say, you know, going into marriage, if your intention is to grow a family, you'll be rewarded with that intention. If your intention is to just have kids, then, then, you know, it, it, the intention is there, but there's a greater intention, which is building a family and a legacy. So when we talk about Ibrahim, wassalam, right, you talk about a man that um, his own father, and this is really going to, a lot of, a lot of things are going to come from this story. Ibrahim wasalam, father would actually tell Ibrahim, he would manufacture idols and tell Ibrahim as a child to go and sell these idols, right? Now, many times when a person grows up, they always blame the way that they've grown up on their father or their mother. My father and my mother, the reason I am the way that I am is because they blame their father and their mother. And this is one of the traits of the shaitan. The shaitan blamed Allah for the reason that he was led astray. He said, you have led me astray, right? So blaming someone else is one of the traits of shaitan. So Ibrahim, what he ends up doing when he becomes a 
father, he talks to his son with wisdom and kindness. Ya Bunaya, oh my dear son, what do you think of this? And I was, you know, I, I was teaching a group of kids, they were like 13. I was like, you know, how would you feel if someone came up to you with with asking you a question, like, you know, what do you think about George Floyd? What do you think about this? They would say, We would feel so important and valued, right? So Ibrahim is now a father to his son, and he asks Ismail, What do you think of this situation? It's gonna happen. Allah is telling me to sacrifice you. What do you think of the situation? I want to hear your feedback. Right? I want to listen to you. I want you to be heard. But when he is a, a, a son to his father, he does. Ibrahim doesn't feel heard. So Ibrahim gets married to uh, to his spouse. His spouse is unable to have children, and then he is gifted another spouse. And the his first spouse is 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 allowing Ibrahim to uh, get married to the second one because she is thinking long term she is thinking who is Ibrahim's getting to old age he's probably been making dua for for uh, a legacy for so many years this and there's many prophets there's many prophets that have been making dua for a leg for 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 children and they don't have them till long until they're very very old right even the prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi when he was when he when he lost his his son Right? People would say you've been cut off. You've been cut off from, from a legacy. And now every time we say the Prophet Muhammad's name, we say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, right? So look at his legacy where he doesn't even have a Facebook, a Twitter, and no picture of him, but so many people follow his lifestyle. So Ibrahim, so Ibrahim's spouse allows him to get married, right? She's 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 thinking of, uh, thinking of it from a from from a point of growing a a community and an ummah, right? So then what ends up happening is, she's making dua when 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 the angels knock on the door of Ibrahim, and Ibrahim is told by these angels that the 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 the, the city of Lut is going to be destroyed. They go to they look at the spouse and they say, and you're going to have a son. Subhanallah. So it's like, she's like, how can I have a son if I'm old? Right? So, and, th and this is one of the wisdoms of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that Allah will bless you with, with, with kids when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to, to, to have them. You may really, really, I wanted to be a kid. I wanted to be a teacher my whole life, but Allah didn't, that wasn't my plan. Um, so what ends up, you know, subhanAllah for me, you know, me and my spouse, uh, we, we've been wanting to have kids and our first, um, my, my, my wife got, um, a little bit sick and we didn't know what was the issue. So when we went to the hospital, we realized she was actually pregnant and she, she had a miscarriage uh, a month in. And if we didn't go the moment that we went, she would have never had children. She would have never had been, she would have had to have taken out um, uh, that, that biological uh, part. And subhanAllah, what ends up happening is uh, that wasn't our time to have that kid. That wasn't our time to have that kid. But as a mercy, Allah did not allow it to happen where we delayed in fixing the situation to where we would never have kids. Yes, so alhamdulillah, now we have two kids. And I realized that maybe if we did have a kid that time, maybe we were never financially ready. Maybe we weren't there spiritually. Maybe we weren't there as a as, as a couple, you know. Um, so, so you know I, know, I know people that, you know, it's really like, like, you have to work for it, right? You can't just ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for children. You have to work for it, right? Mm -hmm. So I know I know a group of people that um, they got married. They didn't have kids for like t a decade, 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. And they would make dua. They went to doctor after doctor after doctor. So like they're taking action. They're tying their camel. They're trusting Allah. Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, in front of the body of water, he didn't just stand there, but he trusted Allah and he hit the stick on the ground. He acted, right? You don't ask Allah for to allow you to lose weight and then not act on it by eating good and and and, make, and then Allah will make it easy for you once you take that action. So, 
they actually in they they say you know what it's going to be too much money to do it this way to go to this doctor and do now subhanallah they have i think they have a set of twins they have a boy and i think they have a girl so they have four kids mashallah That's after a decade of marriage so it could just be how much faith are you you know i know i know uh, a sister that said maybe allah is mad with me that's why i can't have kids so she put on the scarf not the intention to please allah rather to have children mm. and she never had kids mm. and then when she renewed her int intention to please allah she had children so subhanallah we know that we're ready with kids when we make dua and we trust uh trusting in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then acting on that so you're asking you're asking allah to allow to have kids and, and spouses uh that are the coolness of our eyes so in order to do that you have to actually be the coolness of your eyes to your spouse you have to find the coolness of the eyes in your own spouse right and when ibrahim والسلام, has his children he Allah even tells him to sacrifice him. I just had a kid. I'm I'm eighty. I'm over eighty years old. I'm reaching the end point of my life. My child is now thirteen. He's becoming an adult, and you want me to sacrifice him? Yes. So he sacrifices not just his child, but anything that was going to come in his heart from loving Allah with all of his heart. And then what happens is Allah replaces it with something uh, better. Going back to kind of the idea of um, of of self-identifying yourself. Me myself growing up. So one of my components of the depression and suicide was a girl that I was uh, was my girlfriend uh, for one year broke up with me when I accepted Islam within a month she texted me I haven't talked to this girl in like months three months four months mm -hmm. she texted me I want to meet with you I'm like okay so the whole time I'm shivering as I'm in front of her because I'm looking, I'm Googling hadiths. Oh, what happens if I, if I talk, this girl's going to ask me to hug her. She's going to, I don't know. So I'm Googling it. It's better to get hit in the head with yeah, the audience. Yeah. And I'm freaking <laughs> out. So she's in front of me. I see her for like three seconds. Uh, I'm shivering. The moment I leave, I, blo I block her number, delete her off all social media websites, and I change my number. And Allah replaced it with, so when you, when you sacrifice something that you, like going back to the addictions, when you give up something for the sake of Allah, Allah replaces it with something. And, and people think that that is not giving it up. It, it is giving up. Like, You're giving it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. SubhanAllah. So then Ibrahim, alayhi salatu wasalam, he has a child. He has another child. Is Ismail and Ibrahim build the Kaaba. And then what happens is Ismail and Ishaq, the legacy lives on through them. Is Ismail having um, uh, all the prophets of the Old Testament, Dawood, Sulaiman, and Ishaq having the seal of the prophets, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And this is why in Ismail. our prayer, uh, Ismail, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so, subhanAllah, so what we find is that um, the the legacy lives on through Ibrahim. So when we're in our prayers and we say, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad, uh, and then we say, Allahumma, bar Allahumma salli ala, uh, Allahumma barak ala uh, Ibrahim wa ala Ibrahim fil ala. So, subhanAllah, it's like we're always remembering the, Ibrahim, the uh, Abrahamic religions. Two-thirds mm -hmm. of humanity follow Ibrahim. And we're talking about a man that destroyed all these idols, that lived in a fire for 40 days, that was cool and safe for him, who had no one follow him except his nephew, Lut, and subhanallah like like we talk about ibrahim and hardships and how ibrahim is the uh the the close friend of allah you know subhanallah like like all the struggles that ibrahim went through look at his legacy now subhanallah look at his legacy now through his children right so when 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 yaqub is on his deathbed and he asks his 12 sons including um yusuf who is a prophet, and now all of his children. So you're going to have children that are like Adam, where you have some that are good, some that are bad, Habil and Kabil. You're going to have some that are like Ibrahim, where all of the kids are great. 
you're going to have some kids like kids of Nuh where they 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 get um, uh, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls him calls him a criminal uh, for not going on the boat after 950 years of, of preaching to them and then you're going to have kids like Yaqub who uh, all of his kids except Binyamin and Yusuf uh, uh, plotted to kill um, uh, his uh, son Yusuf and then all the hardship all of a sudden when Yusuf is, is exposing himself as the brother that they threw in the well all of the brothers, all of the kids of Yaqub are now Muslims. And then when Yaqub is on his deathbed and he asks, who will you worship after I am gone? And they will say, we will worship the fa your, your father, the father, the, the Lord of, uh, we will worship the, the Lord of your father, the Lord of Ismail, Ishaq, uh, um, um, and Ibrahim. So subhanAllah, you find that the legacy starts with you but you have to go in and find how you're going to plant those seeds. And the first planting of that seed is dua and, of, and, and, and action. Now, subhanAllah, the, <clears throat> the very, very great points that, uh, that you made on, um, and, and so many things can be, so many gems can be taken from uh, the lives of, of these uh, prophets, Wasallam. Every single one of them has a lesson that we can take, mm -hmm. um, and, and and the, the I think the family life really, um, and I touched on this with the like an older episode with the the story of uh, Yusuf al Islam, and uh, how his brothers, um, like that's another relationship that you have to cater to, right? And so so now as far as it comes now now we're living in you know 2020 uh we have the technology technological advancements every single day there's something new um mm -hmm. now with raising kids today um yeah. a lot of parents and a lot of soon-to-be parents um are very very terrified that their kids going to go astray um there was this whole conversation that i was having with um a group of brothers about the the idea of okay uh Let's make, let's put kids in Islamic schools for, you know, for their entire life or right after middle school. Yeah. So, so what is, what, so what do you, what do you say on that? Because a lot of, a lot of people, they, they may consider Islamic schooling, right? And, and is that good for you? Is that bad for you? <laughs> you know, what? Yeah. Well, cause, cause I know that I went to public school um, and I feel obviously, yeah, there, there were times that I went astray, but it's, it's really at the end of the day, it's with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's permission. Um, like I'm, I'm doing decent. You know, I have things I need to work on. But like, I, I went to public school. You know what I mean? Um, like, I grew up in that environment. So like, where where does that stand? Because I know that a lot of Islamic school kids, they might not be. Yeah. Uh, you know, they might be turned away more. So Subhanallah, I, I was a weekend school principal for for two years, uh, three years, as well as being a youth director for for seven. Um, and I, I also substitute taught and being a, a product. So when I was a kid, my, my, my story begins when I was seven, where I hated going to Arabi school. I never felt any value of it because I'm going to school Monday through Friday and then going to weekend school on the weekends. I just want to wake up, eat Fruity Pebbles and, and watch cartoons, right? Mm. So when I'm talking to kids, I relate, bro. I can relate to you. And I was teaching a group of kids that were all like memorizers of the Quran, right? These were like kids like 11, 12, 13. And one of them looked at me and was like, bro, I'm tired, man. Like my dad's forcing me to memorize the Quran. Like he doesn't find any love in it, right? So one of the first things is that 
as parents. You can't just expect if, mashallah, your kid memorizes the Quran that they're going to be holy and religious. I know a lot of people, a lot of kids, a lot of youth, a lot of adults now that were those people that were in private school, in Islamic school, memorizers of the Quran, videos recorded of them reading Quran. Their fathers could be our are, are, are sheikhs or like board members. And these are people that are addicted to drugs. They are doing zina. They are and then I know people that went to public school and everything is fine. But then you have both things on both spectrums. You have people, mashallah, that, that went to private school and they're like doctors and they're, they're value people in the community and they're giving back. And you have people in private school that are like the worst of the worst. But the idea is this. You can have, like I mentioned, you can have kids like Nuh. You can have kids like Lut. You can have kids like uh, Ibrahim. But the idea is this. If you are not teaching the values at home, then what your kid is, what all the money that you're investing in at school is is no benefit. Because if you're if the teacher at school is saying to have patience, and then you're going and yelling at your son and daughter, then obviously it's counterproductive. He's good, the child's going to be confused, and he's not going to know what to do, or she's not going to know what to do. And then if you know, subhanallah. So the teaching comes from the from the biggest teacher, and that's the parents. You know, um, so so yeah. When I would say um, when it comes to going astray, you have to tie your camel and trust Allah. You know, Nuh giving da'wah for 950 years. Like, Ahmed, like Yunus gives up. He, he gives up on the people and goes to be a prophet somewhere else. And, we, and we, you know, the story, he gets swallowed by the whale. He comes back and hundreds of thousands of people are now Muslims, right? Mm. But you have someone like Nuh who gives da'wah for 950 years, never giving up. And even his own son rejects him. And he's a prophet. Like, imagine like, like, like I know, I, I know of a sheikh, his kid is, is doing bad stuff, right? So, um, like even if you are a sheikh, because what happens when you're a sheikh? You're you're getting calls at three in the morning to go. Um, someone passes away, or you know, you're, you're you're not present. You're not value. So you really have to balance that. And the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam was the best of his, to his family, right? He was the best father. He was the best um, husband. He was the best friend. He he was the best uh, neighbor. So, so like subhanallah, like this is one thing that you have you really have to know is is how to balance these hats, right? So when it comes to raising kids, if you are not teaching at home the same values and morals that you want to learn, like if you're teaching your kid how to be patient and you send them to public school, they're going to be patient with those people, right? If you, if you, you can't just expect the teacher, mashallah, to, to, to teach their kids and then they're going to come home and they're going to be like holy. They're, that's not how it works. Islamic school isn't like a, 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 a holy machine where they get sprayed and doused with holy water and um, and zemzem mai and they get mm. uh, sprinkled with uh, with cologne and everything and then they come out mashallah with a full beard or or a beautiful hijab or no no this isn't Islamic. This is how Islamic schools are done or weekend schools are done. You know, one kid, um, he was eight years old at the time when I and I remember like the the. Allahu Akbar. I remember like the entire hall was empty in the masjid. All the kids just got done with them uh, going into class. And this kid reminded me of, of me when I was a kid. He was, he was, <clears throat> he was a young kid and he's telling his father, his father's dragging him to go to his class. Mm. And he tells his father, go to hell. I, I, I wish you would just die and go to hell. Mm. 10 years later, after I see him, I, I remember his dad called me one time and was like, hey, can you come talk to my son? I talked to him for like five minutes. And he's like, I steal money from my dad and, and all this. I'm like five minutes, like, what am I going to do in five minutes? I, I can't do nothing. 
I told his father, you know, you have to be more loving and patient. You have to be more present. You're probably not at home enough. And he wants a father figure. And if you're, if the mother is already overwhelmed with the other kids, you need to also be there as your kid is growing. He needs a father figure. And I remember just seeing him in, in, in khutbahs, looking at him and his father. He's, he's kind of just like his, his son, his son is just head is has his head down. And as he, as I see him grow every single year, I see every time I, I I've seen him, he's more attentive. And now when, you know, <clears throat> And now seeing him like 17, like 10 years later, he, he, he tells me, he's like, that, that, that's that five minute talk did a lot for me. Like me thinking that the impact of a five minute talk is probably nothing, you know, doing a khutbah, people, they go, goes in the area, one, one ear out the other, yeah. but, but speaking with someone for five minutes and just planting that seed in that person's heart and having the father and the mother and coming for Islamic reminders during khutbahs yeah. and nourishing that seed. 10 years later, subhanAllah, you find the fruits of that seed that you planted 10 years ago. You know, yeah, yeah alhamdulillah, I just started gardening and seeing some trees that you plant. Um, you know, I planted a tree, a fruit tree for five years. I haven't seen an apple. Last year, I planted a fig tree five years ago, four years ago, and that, or, or four years since last year, so five years ago. Uh, last year was the first time I actually saw uh, figs from it. Mm. Uh, tomatoes, jalapenos, you, you, you nourish with growth and patience and love. If you nourish a plant, you will find the vegetables, the fruits benefiting you and your community. But it may take one month like cucumbers and kale. It may take three months like you know tomatoes. And it may take five years. But you will not find the benefits of whatever you're doing if A, you don't have the patience, A, if you're not investing, so, you know, money, sun, uh, or money and water, uh, watering the plants, time and sun, you putting in the investment of spending time with your children, putting them in, getting them some Islamic education, teaching them Islamic education of yourselves. You know, you, you, you mentioning how your, you know, your, your family doesn't listen to you because mm -hmm. the idea is that sometimes the, the, the closest amongst you that love you the most, no matter what you do, are the last people to listen to you. Mm. Oh, whatever. But if the sheikh were to tell that person the exact same thing that you told them, they're going to they're going to listen for sure, hundred percent, right? Because it's coming from someone else that doesn't judge them or know them or see them all the time, right? So, uh, I would say in order to to kind of uh, nurture between public and private school, all that matters is the teacher in the houses. That, that reminds me of that one um, Imam Abu Hanifa's mom. Uh, she she wanted to know about something right and then she went to him she asked him and he gave her the answer right uh and she didn't like it so she was like no <laughs> i'm not gonna follow you <laughs> and then imagine right he's he's like at his prime you know he's he's Abu Hanifa. so then she goes to someone else and then that sheikh he asks imam Abu Hanifa, he's like what should i say to your mom <laughs> and then and then uh and then the and then Imam Abu Hanifa says, "Say this," and then she, and then she gets the same answer from that sheikh, and then she, you know, comes back. She just still doesn't like it, but she takes it from the other guy, you know, because obviously um, that that's and that that just um, and, and it's all of these relationships that you find with, internally with all of these uh, figures that you realize that you know they had families too you know and we we also uh also have families too you know we we have to um 
nurture and, and care for them. It's really like, it really is gardening, you know, if you think about it. You know, you might, you might plant a little bit of a seed of reminder here, um, and then you might not see it uh, come into fruition until way later. You know, right. you might give a reminder in one khutbah, you might give a reminder on one small little Instagram thing, um, but you may not see, you know, somebody may come back to the deen because of that. You know, that's the, that's the thing. Um, so now we have, you know, knowing yourself. Now we have marriage, trying to find the right person. Um, and and uh, really, really getting to know yourself first. That's the main, I think, the biggest molehill that nobody really has gotten over right now. Um, and, and that's self-identity. And then over that, we're, uh, over that hill then comes knowing the next person. Uh, so what, so very, very specifically, what are right questions to ask, you know what I mean? To get to know someone like as a practical sense. I would say for me, um, I would say to get to know someone, some of some practical questions are just like, what are your goals? Like what, what are your motivations? What's your inspirations? Right? So when you're talking to someone like the other day, I was doing an introduction with these two new people that came on board at access. And I was just like, it was just, okay, they did their introduction. And then they're like, okay, that's it. I'm going to leave. Right. And I'm like, no, I'm like, so, so, so like, what's your inspiration for working in nonprofits? And that's like a question that really kind of activates the brain right so you're asking these really deep questions because you want to see where their trains of thoughts are right right so you don't want someone to, imagine if someone says like what's your inspiration of podcasting and you just make up some you know baloney answer mm-hmm. and that person can kind of sense okay this person's like faking it right so if you like i remember one brother i asked him he was cutting my hair uh i've been jumping from barber to barber i just been cutting my own hair now but um he 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 works like 40 minutes away from where I live. So I'm just like, bro, I'm just going to come cut it in your basement. I got work. I don't got time. So like, he's, he's like fading me up in my basement, in his basement. And I'm just like, like, what got you? Like, tell me your story, right? So people love talking about themselves, right? Yeah. You want to always hear from them. You want to see how they, like, are they people that are considerate enough to actually listen and, t- and hear what you have to say? Or are they people that just cut you off and want to say, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but and just negate everything. So I'm just, I'm just like talking to him and we're just having a nice conversation. I'm just like, like what got you into bar- like being a barber? <laughs> like, what? like, what do you mean? What got me into being a barber? I don't have a story, right? This dude had a story and he told me, and I just fell in love with this guy. And like, I know him from his sister. Um, I used to work with his sister, but like, and then like, I see like how beautiful that family is. So he's like, I got into being a barber because I have a brother that has special needs. And every time I would take him to the barber, people would laugh at him. The barber wouldn't cut his hair. And the guy, the, the person didn't want to, his brother didn't want to sit in that chair because he didn't trust nobody. So I watched a couple of YouTube videos and then I started cutting his hair. And this is how, and subhanAllah, like, and like he works like for a good barbershop. It's not like super cuts or like some like, like, uh, Ammo's corner barbershop. Like mm-hmm. he, he works at like a, like a good salon where they pay good money for haircuts. And like, that's what makes people interesting. So everyone has a story, right? Mm-hmm. So listen to that story, be a good listener and then ask deep level questions, right? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? Like this mm-hmm. is, these are just silly questions, right? But asking like really deep questions, right? Like, um, like, you what's know, some what flaws, do- I would say what some flaws are that you yeah. think that, are going to come out that haven't come out yet. 
Exactly. Flaws, goals, inspirations, motivations. What how don't ask someone, well, what's your relationship with your mom like? Because they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna baloney balonicize that one. Yeah. All you gotta say is like, you know, where do you how do you wanna improve your relationship with your mother? How do you wanna like deeper questions that talk about what? The future. Not where you are now or where you know, where you are now and where you were are great questions by all means. They're great questions because they really set a foundation for where that who, who you're talking to right now. But deeper questions about future and goals, it shows that they're A, actually thinking ahead. Um, you know, you know, asking questions like that, I would say deep questions where they really allow that person to think because you want a spouse that can think. You want a spouse that, that isn't just going to sit there quietly. You want a person that you can actually like communicate with and have a dialogue with. And maybe that person's going to be shy at first. And maybe it takes some time to, to get them to be more open. Like I remember my spouse, when our first date, um, we went to Panera. And I gave, I, I'm like, how many, like how many cookies, like what do you want us to order? And I'm the type of person that I'm more considerate about what you want. If you tell me you want me to, to jump five times, I'll jump five times, even though I only want to jump once. So I'm just like, like we go back and forth. I'm sure everyone has have had this conversation. Where do you want to go eat? I don't know where you want to go eat. I don't know. You tell me. Oh, I don't know where you tell me. And you tell them, you're like, I don't want to go there. Well, then why don't you just tell me where you want to go? So I'm like, so like, what do you want? What do you want to order? And I'm just like, I'm, she's like, well, a, a hot, hot cocoa and, and a cookie. I'm like, do you want one cookie? You want to split it? And she's like, oh, just one cookie. And now what? It's been like eight years or nine years now. Looking back at that every time, she's like, why don't you just eat, get, get your own cookie and get me my own cookie? And I'm just like, why didn't you just tell me that from the get from the beginning? I'm sorry, you're gonna think I'm fat and all this. Just be open with me. So it's okay to be a little modest and bashful and shy. But the idea is that you know you want to feel comfortable just talking and asking those questions with someone, right? Um, so I would say I would say those questions are are definitely uh, you know I wouldn't say they're 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 like fard like obligatory. You have to ask them, but they're definitely some deep questions like that. You want to see you want to pick their brain a little bit and make them know that. Um, I would say the the best advice I can give for something like this is this, and this is with anything, especially someone like that does podcasts or public speaking. Yeah. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu, you know, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam was was talking about like there's so many hadiths to talk about how like speaking less, like there's barakah in there, right? So I heard something very profound. If you open your mouth every single time, it's like it's like having Kool Aid and then adding so much water to it to where the Kool Aid is watered down. Mm. But if you only open your mouth when you have something powerful to say, then people will view you as someone that is powerful, as, as a powerful person, mm. someone that, that actually speaks eloquently and intelligently. If you're talking to this girl and texting her like, you know, yeah, what's your favorite color? Oh my God, I love that. Oh man, did you see this TikTok video? These are really cool conversations I have with someone, right? But to get to know them, it's you can't really get to know someone by saying, oh, like, what's your favorite? Well, what's your favorite uh, reciter? What's your favorite uh, person that you uh, you to? What's your favorite? Uh, you like Mufti Mank? Oh my God, me too. I just love his beard, right? Uh, but saying, oh, oh, I heard Mufti Mank say this, right? So it's the idea is that you should really, when you get to know someone, you want to sound smart too when you talk. You want to sound powerful. Yeah, yeah. You want to sound enthusiastic. So asking those questions, uh, but obviously being yourself with your yeah, own organic. Manipulating or anything, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the, the, a lot of that can turn into um, you. You put on more than you are, and then when you when you put on more than you are, you're just uh, giving someone a false image of yourself. Right. And um, I'm truly against that. I, I can't like like for me, how I am on the podcast, how I am on Instagram, like very very just even in my reminders. I don't know if you've seen the just you know, assalamualaikum guy this and that, but 
that's just like I'm just like that, you know. And and, and anybody who meets me in person, uh, there's one brother. He wanted some hips advice. Um, so like he, I was like, yeah, just call me. <laughs> and he was like, really? I was like, yeah, like, <laughs> what's the issue? And and like he called me and then he was like, oh, I, I never thought that, you know, I would talk to someone like that. I was like, bro, I'm a person like I'm not, you know, um, and, and the same thing with like, you know, whoever else like this. I'm I'm open. You know, just like I, I'm just that type of person, you know, um, yeah. and, and a lot of people. um they have to get over that uh, barrier a little bit um, because like with me, right. With, with people that, you know, I may have talked to in the past people that I may have encountered. Um, the main thing was that uh, like I, I was too myself, you know, and, and I think that um, a lot of people, they, they, they kind of don't like that. <laughs> you know, they want, they want me to put on this uh, face or, or something. Um but I mean, uh, other than that, now we're going forward in terms of, okay, we got the questions, we got everything. Now, as far as teaching, teaching your family, right? When, when like, for example, let's, let's put the spotlight on you a little bit. Mm-hmm. You're, you're teaching, um, I think you're teaching uh, fiqh for kids, right? Right. So, so how do you, how do you go about that? Like, how do you teach uh, kids, uh, like a deep topic like fiqh? Yeah. So... Uh, alhamdulillah I, I i've been teaching the fifth class for i would say three years now and i've taught it to many students sure i've taught it to adults i've taught it to uh, old people young people college students teenagers high schoolers i've never taught it to kids mm. kids just want to be spoken to on their own level but obviously you want to speak to kid uh, kids with with a form of respect so the prophet muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam i'll mention two two stories of him uh, three stories, actually. First off, we know the story of the bird, right? Where there was this kid that had his bird th- that died. And the prophet actually asked him, like, what's wrong? And he actually didn't say, like, it's a bird, get over it. He basically had a janaza for this bird, right? He was crying. He's sad because his pet bird died. And the prophet actually listened to him, right? The second story, uh, there's a, a, a companion that narrated at a much older age that there was a bucket of water when he was a kid that the prophet, he put his face in front of it and the prophet put his face in front of his and blew water on his face. And Mm -hmm. this person that's narrating at an older age is remembering that. So when I get people like, Five years later, tell me, I remember that one time you cracked this joke and it was just so funny. And I remember that one time you told you, you talked about like death and the grave and that motivated me to listen to this and do this and be this and do. So like that little moment, like in a kid's life of having water thrown on, blown on his face, you know, you have the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Uh, imagine this, close your, close your eyes and imagine an imam making sajda and kids jumping on his back. All the parents would freak out. Who's this kid? As soon as you say, Salaamu Alaikum Allah, before you even get to the second, Salaamu Alaikum, who's this person's kid? This imam, now wake, open your eyes. And this is the Prophet Muhammad who had his grandkids climb on his back. And when people are like, what's going on? The kid's playing. I don't want to like throw him off and kick me off. I want him to actually view. If you imagine pushing your kids away from prayer, they're not going to want to come to prayer. Mm. And I think prayer is something serious, right? So when I teach the kids fiqh, I keep the, the, I keep those things in mind. Um, there's another story I completely forgot. I, f- I forgot what it was, but uh, nevertheless, so when I'm teaching to kids and we're talking about wudu, right? So I'm talking about breaking wudu. I'm not going to say ablution. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So I say, I, I'm not going to say, uh, you know, when I say like breaking wind, this is t- typically what you'll say. I say fart. I say yeah, fart. Yeah. 
I say fart. You have to talk out. Like there's an instance where during uh, one of the battles, the, uh, the the companions kidnapped this kid. How many camels did the opponent have? And they're, or I'm sorry, and they're they're like, how many people are on the battlefield? How many people? And they're like torturing this kid. And the prophet sees this. He's, he's like, Habibi, how many camels does the do they have? And then the, uh, uh, during that time, there I think there was like a certain amount of people per camel. And this is so the prophet talked to him from a standpoint of how a child, a child's going to know, okay, there was like 10 camels on the battlefield, right? They're not going to, he's not going to say, oh, there's like, you know, older people, they're going to look at the bigger picture. Kids are looking at small things. So you have to know how to talk to kids. So like, you know, I crack jokes about Takis and stuff like that. Uh, on Friday, I actually shared my story of, 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 of suicide to these seven-year-old kids, right? And I'm speaking, you know, you have to be, you have to talk to them at their level and be yeah, cool. Yeah. You don't want to be too serious, right? So, um, but you also have to talk to them at a mature standpoint. If you only talk to your kids, um, if you only talk to your kids in those, uh, sorry, let me rephrase this. If you do not give your kids an opportunity to mature, yeah, they will never have, they will never grow up. If you if you if your kids are twenty years old and they don't know how to do their dishes or make an egg, it's your fault because you've never given them the ability to do so, right? So I know I know people that their moms cook, clean, and everything for them. So when they get married, they're twenty five, they expect their wife to do that. And the idea is no, that's not how it's supposed to be done. You need to teach if you want to raise an ummah, you have to give that kid the responsibility. So at, you know when 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 uh, Ibrahim is asking his son Yabunaya, when Luqman is talking to his son, oh, yeah, oh my dear son, oh, you know telling him about Tawheed and, and and Shirk and all this stuff, he's calling him my dear son. He's not yelling at him saying you need to know who Allah is, and if you don't, you're going to Jahannam. It's not. So you have to know how to talk to kids, right? You don't talk to kids saying you're going to Jahannam, you're going to hellfire. Um, I had this one uh, brother reach out to me, kind of talking how you, how you like you got to be real. Like yeah. I'm doing a khutbah and I was talking about something very heavy. So this guy came up to me that I know. He's like, listen, my friend's very shy. Or he's like, can I have your number? I'm like, yeah. So he texts me. He's like, listen, I'm very shy. My, I get, I'm giving my number to this person that was shy to come up to you. He wants to ask you a question. And he's like, I'm gay. He's like, I'm gay. Um, and he's like messaging me like 500 messages. And I just text him like, bro, I hear you. I listen, I'm, I'm here for you and I want to hear your story. Let's talk about it. And he's like, every time I've told this to someone, I've always gotten a rejection to the form, to, to, to the language of you're going to the hellfire. Uh, if you if you don't repent right now, Allah's going to throw you in Jahannam. Like, this is not how you talk to people. You got to talk to them at, at, from, the, from a point of mercy. When Abu Bakr is in the cave, when they migrate to Medina, um, they're in the cave. The pro, the, uh, Abu Bakr is, is, is scared. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam doesn't say, bro, you're a Muslim. What are you doing? Why are you being scared? Fear Allah. The Prophet Muhammad talks to Abu Bakr how Abu Bakr would understand. Do not be scared. Allah is with us, right? So you have to know how to talk to people, which age appropriate level. You know, when, as a khatib, it's very difficult to talk to a group of people, doctors, lawyers, kids, teenagers, high schoolers, college students, professionals, right? So like, I remember one time, like all my talks was about youth. And then you get feedback like, listen, I'm a doctor. I can't relate to this. I don't know what TikTok and Snapchat is, right? So then you start throwing, you learn from that and you grow. And then you start throwing out TikTok. When I, I remember when I was first started talking, I was really into Assassin's Creed. Have you ever played Assassin's Creed? Yeah. 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 Anytime I would mention that or Call of Duty in a khutbah, 
kids get comfortable. They listen. They're like, bro, I'm listening to this, right? When you start talking about certain things, kids' ears, they point to you. So you have to, you can't just tell, say Jahannam and, and talk to kids like you're fathering them. You have to talk to kids also as a friend. If you don't, you're going to lose them. So when it comes to teaching fiqh for kids, um, alhamdulillah, it's been very great. You have to know when to be serious, when to crack jokes. You have to know. You, you you have to take them as mature a, a person kids right you you know like they're, they're they sometimes they chat like far and talkies and uh they send like the little poop emoji and i'm just like oh we we're just talking about pudding so you kind of have to make them feel comfortable if you were to if, if i were to be a, a parent and say you need to stop and pay attention right now i'll get like one one parent that will jump in and say stop stop typing in the chat you're distracting my kid no, bro, you can't do that. You have to talk to them. Listen, how about we, we, we break the chat for a second and let's focus on this. So alhamdulillah, I, I think uh, teaching fiqh for, for I'm in the sixth week with these kids or seventh week, I would say it's been a definitely a journey and something special, especially virtually. I, I've, taught, I've taught kids before in classrooms and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, if you're not cool, if you're too like, let's <laughs> just sit down right yeah. you know kids are gonna run away like think about the ammo or the jiddo that is in the masjid and he yells at a kid in the musal like hey don't run right mm-hmm. and then that kid and you wake up one morning and you're like where are all the youth where are all the kids well you've kicked them out by telling them don't come to the masjid don't bring your son into the masjid they're running around so when it comes to kids definitely treating them mature but talking at them at their level and being kind of a, a friend versus a parent this is how we really grow our youth and grow an ummah giving them the ability to grow and flourish giving them those responsibilities mashallah the, uh, brother bilal i thank you so much for coming on uh, it's been such such a beneficial podcast but mashallah like the it's been a long time coming uh i've rescheduled with you like many times but like very very thankful that you're here mashallah and uh, may allah SWT bless you may allah SWT put barakah in your work and your family uh and your kids mashallah your kids are beautiful they're very very cute <laughs> mashallah and um i thank you once again and i thank all the viewers uh for tuning in once again and inshallah, you can check us out on SoundCloud, podca- uh, Apple Podcast, um, probably going to be Spotify soon, and then Google Podcasts everywhere. So, Jazakallah uh, khair. And um, uh, I think that we can end here. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa